Andy, a quarter of the 2023 college football season is already gone. Has Michigan's season, year to date, made you more optimistic, more concerned, or feel about like you thought you would with regard to your preseason expectations? I knew three games in I would have questions, but I'm quite befuddled of what questions I actually have after three games now. For Ohio State, I'm seeing pretty much what I had hoped to see, but this Saturday will tell me so much more. This is the game. Andy, we had planned a podcast last week, but my first viral respiratory illness in four years set us back a week. We both had said we'd be 2-0, and and I doubt either of us would have predicted Michigan losing to Bowling Green or Ohio State losing to Western Kentucky. So let's just say that both teams are currently 3-0 and as we predicted. As predicted. Does how Michigan has played change how you feel about the rest of the season? Before I get into that, I just want to take a step out. And I I know I said I'd never get preachy about things not college football related on this podcast. But if there was ever a better endorsement for masking and social distancing, you not having a viral URI of any kind since the pandemic is nothing short of the most solid evidence that that works. I unfortunately have very young kids who still go out to their petri dishes of preschool and grade school that gave me many viral URIs over the last four years. But uh, I, I would just think it's absolutely amazing to go that long working in the in the profession that we do without getting sick at all. There have been some recent studies bringing into question how effective masks are, although there's a lot of data that shows they are. But you will never convince me that I had worked in the emergency department for three years and have seen hundreds of COVID patients, hundreds, and didn't get it. I don't think that's a coincidence. Maybe masking had some to do with it, but again, the, unfortunately, you can't talk science anymore without making it a political thing, which is not what we want to do on our podcast. So, no. All right, this has taken the most non-football turn of a podcast, and I'm totally responsible for that. What was the question? The question is, you've seen Michigan play three games a quarter of the season's gone. Based on what you've seen, how does that match up with your preseason expectations and have your expectations for the rest of the season changed at all? Yeah, I have to say they have. And it's it's mostly because when you're ranked so highly, there's only one way to go. And at the beginning of the season, I predicted we would face Georgia in the national championship game. And while I think that still might happen, I have concerns that we may not be performing down the road like the number two team in the country. And they came from places that I didn't expect them to come from. Such as? Such as our previous Joe Moore award-winning offensive line looked 
not like they're going to win the Joe Moore Award this year. Um, we we had serious problems with run blocking against uh, Eastern Carolina. And yes, Eastern Carolina stacked the box and they basically played out of TCU's playbook and, and dared uh, McCarthy to throw, which he did with absolutely no problem. But we couldn't we couldn't move the pile at all. We couldn't open any gaps. Uh, the you know, Corum and and Edwards were basically bottled up for that entire game. So Corum and Edwards, if you had to predict anything about the 2023 Michigan season based on the data that we had in the past, it would be that Corum and Edwards were going to be the you know the duo, the the bell cows, as it were, and they were going to especially in these easy games, we were just going to run them down the opponent's throat and really try to keep J.J. McCarthy safe, not put him in jeopardy, and just ground and pound. Like, that was our formula to success on the last two. And uh, I, I get that the other teams probably realized that and game-planned against us like that, but really, watching how little push we got in the trenches with these clearly inferior teams was a little concerning. And then the other thing that I noticed was we, we don't have wide receivers that that run block anymore. And it makes me long for Ronnie Bell to come back, who is amazing at blocking for, for runners. So not only have we taken a step back in the O-line, which I guess in retrospect I should have seen coming. You can't be number one in perpetuity. Um, but we we can't run block as well with the wide receivers that we have. And I, I totally didn't see that coming. I think you're shortchanging Donovan Edwards in particular, I mean, he was going to, you know, he's revolutionizing the game of football. And if you look at his numbers, you know, if you add up his total offense, his yards running and receiving, he's approaching 160 yards of total offense through three games. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It is definitely revolutionizing the sport. I, I'm definitely not one to, (laughs) to talk myself up before anything at all. And so it always confuses me when people make very brash predictions about how a game is going to go or what the outcome is going to be or how their personal performance is. And I think that uh, Donovan Edwards has got to stick his foot in his mouth unless he really, really turns it up in a conference play over the next few days. I suspect they will. I'm not sure they're... I think what's really been missing is now they're left on the sideline through the first three games with enthusiasm well-known to mankind. So, <laughs> you know, I think once it's back this weekend, they're going to start crushing everybody. We'll see. I mean, you mentioned this weekend in Rutgers, and I, I mean this with absolutely no sense of, of hyperbole, has given Michigan problems sometimes in year past. You remember three years ago, we had the miraculous Cade McNamara comeback game that cemented his status as a Michigan legend. Um, We were losing to Rutgers at the half last year. So if we go out and we're sort of playing cutesy and still trying to figure things out and running these schemes that clearly don't play to Michigan's strengths in 2023, I I think Rutgers could give us a little bit of worry. It's not going to be like Bowling Green, where we can make multiple mistakes and play really sloppy and still shut them out. It, it gets real. And my hope is that Michigan becomes a much more serious team than they have been in the last three weeks. Well, Michigan has the number one scoring defense in the country. Ohio State has the number two scoring defense in the country. Although, if you actually break the numbers down a little bit more, Ohio State's defense actually scored 14 points this week. So, We've given up a net of nine points on the season, 
allowing 23 points total and scoring 14. So uh, I'll take that plus nine and uh, for every three games. I think we would win a lot of games like that. It's the first time Ohio State has given up 10 points or fewer in three consecutive games since they accomplished that seven times in a row in 2019. You know what 2019 was? The season we got robbed by the refs against Clemson. That was a potential national championship team or should have been a national championship finalist. That was a good team with a good defense. That was the last good defense we had, put it this way. It's good to see Ohio State back with the silver bullets and having a really good defense. And I think they're going to need it because their offense isn't the offense of Ohio State in the past. But, Reggie, let me ask you this. You asked about the expectations of Michigan's team and are we meeting them. So I'm going to flip it around. Uh, Ohio State won against Indiana 23-3, against Youngstown State 35-7, and Western Kentucky 63-10. Are they meeting your expectations, and are they meeting the expectations of the Ohio State faithful and the people who are on the message boards and the other podcasts? Through the first two weeks, Ohio State fans were apoplectic. (laughs) They were losing their minds about this team, which had played solid they were decent i don't know what people think happens when somebody starts as a quarterback at a a major college football level for the first time but kyle mccord had some struggles he's missed a few passes but to me the most important thing what i was wanting to see that i had not yet known about kyle mccord does he have the arm talent you will recall two years ago two seasons ago when J.J. McCarthy made that throw in his first game that made us realize uh, no matter what else happens, I don't know a lot about Kyle McCord still. Is he mentally tough? Is he going to be resilient? Is he going to be durable? Uh, what's it going to be like when he goes on the road in the most hostile environment he'll play in uh, in his career to date this Saturday? I don't know those things. But I wanted to see, does he have arm talent? Can the guy throw an accurate ball? He has shown me that he can. He's missed a few passes, but he's made some really nice throws. That's what I wanted to see. Because if you can't do that, then you can never get the offense up to the level you've been operating at for several years now. And he showed me that he can do that. I am very encouraged by what I've seen. I still have concerns about the offensive line. Travion Henderson looks good. Uh, The running game. Chip Trainum's been an actual, to to watch him, he's been a bit of a beast. I think that when you have three teams for both Ohio State and Michigan that you're overwhelmingly expected to win against, this is your time to go to the lab to figure out, hey, what works, what doesn't work, what can we deploy? And the other thing is no one's going to open up the playbook for Youngstown State. No one's going to have, you know, incredibly high expectations for our game against UNLV. No. East Carolina? No. Bowling Green? Bowling Green. That's right. And that's the problem is like these teams are just so interchangeable. When I saw the spread for Michigan to beat Bowling Green of 40.5, I text messaged every degenerate gambler friend I had and said, I might be a little biased, but this seems like super easy money. You fade Michigan because there's there's no way we're going to sit everybody if we're up, you know, three touchdowns and our second string has some promising promising athletes on it but they're not going to run up the gaudy numbers either and sure enough michigan has not covered the spread in all three of their games over the uh, beginning of the season ohio state only covered the spread against western kentucky uh, the thing i was encouraged by in the western kentucky game was that 
Western Kentucky is known to have a very competent offense, particularly a throwing offense, and the defense held up. So that's great. But again, I feel like I, I can look at these numbers, and I have, and I've dissected them. I look at them every which way. Ohio State's defense has looked encouraging. Like, look, you can only play the teams that have been on your schedule so far. And so far, they've played three teams, and they've pretty much shut them all down. So good, because last the last three years, Ohio State's teams have not shut those teams down. And they've let those teams make huge plays. The, this defense has not been gashed like that. The secondary looks so much better. All of those guys are breaking up passes. Uh, Denzel Burke is playing very, very well. Jordan Hancock has looked good as a slot corner. They The defense looks good. But again, I will know the answers to so many more questions on Saturday. Because if they can go in and beat Notre Dame on the road early in the season, I, if we lose that game, I don't think it means the season is lost. It, it could obviously bite them in the playoff hunt down the road. But look, the reality is we're in the position Michigan was in for a while. Beating Michigan is what matters this year. Winning the Big Ten would be nice, uh, but you've got—they've got to beat Michigan. They've got to win that game. And if they—they they could go ten and two, lose to Notre Dame, lose to Penn State, and beat Michigan, and people would be like, eh, "Not the season I was hoping for, but I can live with it this year." One of the reasons Reggie, you and I get along so well is you are a rare, reasonable Ohio State. Football fan, and I definitely suffer from selection bias because you know who the other Ohio State football fans I interact with? They're all online. They're all on the message boards. Yeah. And those are the those are the ones Kirk Herbstreet called out. The fifteen or twenty percent right. that he said are just and, and and they they have a tendency to to expect the team be world beaters, number one for their freshman inexper their uh, second year inexperienced quarterback to come in. And look like C.J. Stroud did, and it's unreasonable. Um, but I, I would I would say that the expectation is not to beat Michigan, although I think that's important for that's probably the most important thing for the program. I think the fan base probably is still hoping for a national championship. This of year. course, and and look from what I've seen. So what do I know about Ohio State with certainty that I I wouldn't say that I didn't know, but what's been confirmed for me. Ohio State's a really talented team. We've got a lot of really talented dudes on this team. and so, But I kind of knew that. But it, yeah, now I know McCord's got arm talent. Sonny Styles is pretty good playing defense. And the running backs look good and they're healthy this year. After last year, they were all dinged up and it hurt us. Uh, the offensive line is a question mark, a bit of a question mark still. But overall, I knew what I thought I knew about the team. I guess it's been confirmed. But what I, like I said, what I don't know is how tough is this team? How tough is this team mentally? Are they ready to go in? Are they are they elite? I don't know that yet, but I will because it's just in the next uh, their next two games at Notre Dame and then by week and then Maryland and we'll podcast again before the Maryland game. But the defense will be tested against those two offenses the next couple of games. Absolutely, and I I agree with your assessment that losing to Notre Dame. To, does not end the season. Notre Dame looks like they're back and they've got a top 10 outfit and playing on the road against them is always going to be a challenge. But I think how you lose to Notre Dame might, might really, if it's a, if it's close and you know, your offense is on fire, but Notre Dame is dropping dimes and it ends up a, a 
three-point loss or a one-touchdown loss, there's no shame in that. And it's not even an in-conference game. So those those are the games when you want to figure it out. But if if Ohio State gets exposed and the the offensive line just becomes completely porous and they have no trouble scoring on the defense like the last three teams had trouble, then I think that that's going to create a different narrative for the rest of the season. Absolutely, it will, and it, and it should. Uh, right now, though, if you ask me what I'd rather be, uh, as we've discussed, I predicted Ohio State to be 10-1 and going into the game. If you'd asked me last week, I would have said that I think we lose at Notre Dame. Now, I'm not so sure, but like you said, you still could. Playing top 10 teams on the road is not a formula for success for almost any program. <laughs> Most teams will lose half those games or more. So uh, could we lose that game? I'd rather win the Penn State game than the Notre Dame game right no now. Doubt. No, no doubt. question. Yeah, so, there's no doubt. I mean, so if we lose a close game on the road right now, like you said, and then we grow from it, McCord will be making his fourth, well, technically fifth start in his career, but fourth start this year, second start after being actually named the starter for the first time in his career. So this will be his second start as being named after being named the starter. Let's see how he does. But is McCord... I think will still be our quarterback next year. Is he laying the foundation to have a really good, to be really good quarterback in 2024? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think there's more questions going into game four of an Ohio state quarterback than there's ever been in over a decade, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think McCord's shown that he's a great quarterback and the potential to be elite is there. It's just, I think Ohio state fans are suffering from the delusion that their quarterbacks are always going to be flamethrowers right out of the box. And they're always going to get that. I've watched some films of some of our old games, like from the two thousands or late nineties. I mean, you wouldn't believe watching the quarterbacks just miss wide open guys in the flat, just like, you know, 10 yards wide of them or sails over their head it is shocking to think how much the game has progressed, honestly. And part of that, obviously, is coaching. They figure out these are the formulas to for success. And that's why you see these teams like Western Kentucky that can usually sling it all over the place on these teams because the quick passing game eliminates the pass rush. Uh, that's one area of our team. If you'd told me the, the one area of Ohio State's team so far that has surprised me in a bad way as I really thought our defensive line would be more dominant, but I'm still not sure it's not just because they're playing quick passing attacks. And I don't know. I mean, they're second in the country in yards per play given up. So yeah. I'm not sure that, that you can <laughs> criticize the defense much at all so far. Right. Like you said, if Notre Dame puts up 35 on us, then back to square one. Yeah. There's just so much to, there's so much you cannot glean from, these these wildly asymmetric games as far as talent because you don't know what sort of coaching is coming into this you don't know if everyone's playing at 100 percent or taking the game completely seriously clearly uh, uh jj mccarthy picked a great game to not look like the unstoppable throw god that he was in the first two games and that i hope he is for the rest of the season and hopefully that's a little gut check moment for him that he can't just close his eyes throw the ball and complete a 40 yard pass. What I was surprised about with his three interceptions Saturday was just that a couple of them, it's not like, Oh, the DB made a great break on the ball. I don't know where he was throwing the ball or who he was throwing to. They were like, I don't, I, I don't know if it's a miscommunication, but yeah, he, they seemed like 
just uh, uncharacteristic. It's not like he's been a turnover machine in his career. He's been very careful with the ball and was clearly being mentioned as a Heisman contender, if not one of the front runners after the first two weeks. Well, he still ended up, I mean, he, he only had two balls hit the dirt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good way. Saturday. Yeah, he completed, what, uh, 11 of his 13 passes, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Right. Three of those were to, three the, of them to the wrong team. The wrong but, team. You know. Yeah, you know, I, like, I honestly am more encouraged by the fact that it seemed like it was all mental mistakes by J.J. than us, you know, our our entire offense being blown up by, you know, some elite Bowling Green level uh, uh, defensive play calling, you know, it, it was a bad read. And even the touchdown to, uh, to Cornelius Johnson, that was, that was an amazing circus catch after it bounced off the, 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 uh, cornerbacks cast. Uh, that was a terrible throw. Yeah, that was a terrible throw. And Roman Wilson in, in, in both the inter- the first interception and that throw was wide open. So he didn't even have a good, like real downfield vision. It seemed, I, I would like to believe that it was just a complete one-off, that when he comes back against Rutgers, he looks like the J.J. McCarthy that was a Heisman candidate. But it it gave me just a little bit of heartburn knowing that he's not on 100%, because if he plays like that against Penn State or Ohio State or, heck, even Maryland or, dare I say, Rutgers, I'm, we're, we're in jeopardy. I mean, well, of we course. can lose those games. And that's true for every quarterback in the Big Ten, really. If you're going to throw three picks against Penn State, you're probably going to lose the game. That's going to be true whether you're Bryce Young or or one of Michigan's quarterbacks, one of Ohio State's. So good game to have a miss on. But it does – he is mortal. And that is uh, – that's that's what is most concerning to Michigan fans on the message boards who are similarly unreasonable as uh, the Ohio State online fandom is. Actually, Joel, I love Joel Klatt's point, though, that uh, J.J. If, if McCord had had the game that J.J. McCarthy just had, people would be screaming about it, just how awful he is and how awful how State is. But because it was Michigan, it's just, yeah, whatever. It's a blip on the radar. And that might be true, but it probably would be true for Ohio State also if they had won the game similarly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that that's the soft bigotry of high expectations. I mean, Michigan has has lived through many a bad quarterback year where Ohio State has the the loftiest of expectation of what their quarterback plays going to be. And that's partially because of how successful they have been. Um, And so, yeah, if Kyle McCord had the game that JJ had, it'd be they'd be calling for his head. Um, I'm just happy to have a. A, a quarterback who can, you know, even attempt some of those throws. And yeah, I try to force a lot of them in there, but guys got, guys got arm talent for days. And I think he'll, he'll be able to reel it in and realize that he, the mistakes he made. And hopefully that's his only three interception game of the uh, entire season. And I'll say, uh, you know, look, they were going to beat those three teams. No matter, I could have been on the sideline. They would have be three and zero right now, but you do wonder the play calling the flow of the game, you know, how much difference will it make having Harbaugh back on the sidelines? Yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone was just a little discombobulated. It's just switching, you know, having four coaches in three games. I know that everybody said, you know, the head coach is, you know, more important on the other six days of the week than it is on game day. But there's there's got to be something to be said to not having Jim Harbaugh at the sidelines, uh, messing with your headspace and kind of taking the seriousness out of it. So... I expect to see, I hope to see a very different 
Wolverines team come the beginning of conference play for us next week? Well, a quarter of the way into the season, does Michigan still have a Heisman candidate on the on the team? And yeah. does Ohio State? Yeah. We, we had both predicted that there were. For Michigan, I mean, if if anybody, it's going to be JJ. I don't think I don't think Blake Corum. I again, I think it shows how important your offensive line is. But Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards just don't look quite as explosive. And yes, Blake Corum is, I, I think, close to leading rushing touchdowns in in football. But a lot of those were on short carries where we just set him up on the end zone, almost like we were trying to get those stats in. Um, but he hasn't he hasn't had the same explosiveness that he had back in uh, last year and even the sort of the glimmers of explosiveness that he had in 2021. Um, so I just don't think he's going to be able to put up the numbers, especially splitting it with uh, Donovan Edwards and with J.J. McCarthy throwing the ball a lot more. So I don't think it's him. If anybody, it's going to be McCarthy, but he's going to have to look more like he did in the first two games of non-conference play and far, far, far less than than the last game. And even then, I think he's a dark horse to make it to New York. I think he's going to be on the outside looking in, potentially. I think it's way too early to say that either of them are out of it. Uh, Corum, they're not going to give him the rock 25 times against Bowling Green, but they will against Penn State. So his you know 6.9 yards a carry is pretty good if he did that for a season. And like you said, he's got six TDs if he averages two TDs a game and ends up with 24 touchdowns and, and, you know, ends up averaging well over a hundred yards a game in the future. Cause he's going to get more carries. He could still be there. McCarthy could still be there. Cause the reality is if you're going to be the best player, one of the two or three best players on an undefeated team that makes the playoff at the end of the year, you're going to be a Heisman contender. Yeah. After week one, I wondered if Marvin Harrison jr. Was going to be a Heisman contender, but after two really good weeks, I think he clearly is, you know, will be in the hunt if he continues to perform like that for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, he looked like the Marvin Harrison I expected to see and didn't see after after week one and got it together. And he looks like uh, the favorite target, obviously, of your quarterback. So, I mean, I think I think Ohio State still could have somebody on the stage in New York and Michigan has a better chance than ever before to have somebody. I, I would have never guessed Hutchinson would have made it to New York at the beginning of uh, the 2021 season. Um, but I'm probably more hopeful about Michigan than I ever have before to um, have a Heisman candidate. Yeah, it's just too early to tell those, those kinds of things just yet. But now we are getting into the meat of the schedule because Michigan has obviously nothing but Big Ten games left. Ohio State's got a road trip to Notre Dame and then gets into the meat of their conference schedule. So what do you see happening for Michigan the next couple of weeks? Michigan's got Rutgers at home and then travels outside the state of Michigan for the first time to play Nebraska. Yeah, I think I I want to believe that Michigan is a much more serious team, a much more disciplined team with Harbaugh on the sidelines and playing Big Ten especially against a team like Rutgers that's given us problems, although usually it's in Piscataway as opposed to at home, and they handle Rutgers easily by two or three scores. Um, at Nebraska, again, first road game of the season, I think Matt Rule is the real deal, and I think he'll bring Nebraska back to competitiveness, but not this year. So I don't think uh, Michigan has any any 
scare moments over the next two weeks and in by the fourth quarter has the the game in hand yeah they're really easing into their schedule it's a great well, schedule for a national championship run i'll tell you that yeah they should have no problem getting through the next couple of weeks and even if one of those games end up being closer than anticipated i see no way that either team beats michigan and Michigan will be sitting at 5-0 and next time we podcast. Absolutely. How about Ohio State? Ohio State plays at Notre Dame and then has their bye week. So one more game. Like I said, a week ago, I would have predicted that Ohio State would lose that game based on how we looked the first two weeks. Now, the fact that we actually did slow down a, a decent passing team and the offense finally looked sharper than it has makes me think that uh, we we could do it. I'm still not sure. Notre Dame has looked pretty good on both sides of the ball. Uh, like I said, this is where we'll we'll see with a roster with comparable talent, how good is this team to go on the road in a very hostile environment? Notre Dame, obviously a tough place to play. So I I am going to say, though, that we win that game. Yeah. I think Ohio State finds a way to win it. I will not be surprised and... I might be sitting here two weeks going, oh, I should have known better, but I I th- think we'll get it done. Hey, hope gets us through so much. Yeah. It's, it's it's good to be hopeful about your team within reason, and I think it's absolutely reasonable to believe that Ohio State's going to win. And the 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 Vegas line on on the game is Ohio State by three and a half. So even I, the, I'm surprised. I was surprised by that. I thought Notre Dame would be favored. Yeah, it's funny. I, I it's hard to see where where the public and where you know the 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 sports betters and where the AP voters kind of all disagree on how good Ohio State is. It's interesting because Ohio State opened the AP poll at three, and now despite and, winning, and winning, dropped in and week winning, one and yeah, dropped and in week two, their yeah. last two games very handedly uh, is now ranked six. Which is when was the last time Ohio State was even ranked sixth or lower? Uh, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but it's, gotta be, it's I mean, I mean, I, I will say I don't care about the rankings this early in the season. I don't know if Ohio State's better than Notre Dame, Florida State, USC. I don't know how we would stack up against any of the other top nine teams. I will tell you that Florida State, after almost blowing it, uh, they did not look like the top number three team in the country. They looked like someone everyone's so excited to get these you know, these blue bloods back in the national picture. Once Notre Dame had one, or once Florida State had one good game, everyone's like, ah, this is it. They're back. It's just like Texas. Texas has been back for over a decade now, and they always managed to, to disappoint towards the end of the season. I don't think, I don't know. Alabama's clearly has one of the uh, least impressive teams that I've seen out of an Alabama Nick Saban uh, uh, coach team in maybe forever. But uh, I think Texas might actually be back this time. I think the emotional letdown, though, is real. You've heard other coaches and pundits theorize that you can only get up for so many really, truly big games. It's why the SEC schedules Western Middle Tennessee State the week before the Iron Bowl or you know any of their big rivalry games because it is hard to get up. That's what one of the stretches I worry about with Ohio State is Right after we play Penn State, which regardless of what happens with Notre Dame, the Penn State game will be huge, obviously. Penn State looks very good. That We all know about the three-headed monster in the Big Ten East. But if we get through that game, then we get to go play at Wisconsin, which is never really an easy place for us to play anyway. 
And while Wisconsin hasn't looked like world beaters, you don't think Luke Fickle is going to have Wisconsin up? I feel like, and I'm sure it feels the same as a Michigan fan, so it's probably our individual bias, but everybody gets up. You don't think Indiana had that circled all off season that they get to open against Ohio State and they're going to, and they did come up with some new wrinkles and Ohio State always has to deal with that. And Wisconsin's going to play out of their minds against us. Absolutely. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Michigan has a similar, very dangerous stretch towards the end of the season at the, on the road at Penn State, then having Maryland, then Ohio State. And I am super worried about that Maryland game in between as a trap game. Uh, Mike Loxley and his little assistant Josh Gaddis will definitely have their team <laughs> yeah. ready to go. And Tua Tagovailoa is is an athlete, and he's a gamer, and he's gonna he's gonna put it to our defense. So, oh man, I'm I'm glad I've got some moments of comfort here on the outset of the season because I think November is gonna be a really rough one. I'm almost glad that Ohio State's got their bye week before Maryland uh, after we play Notre Dame because win or lose, there will probably be uh, an emotional letdown, or there would have been the following week. Now, maybe with the bye week in there, you can reset, win or lose, and make sure you're focused and ready to go into Maryland and then at Purdue before Penn State rolls into town when obviously the Penn State... So look, we've got, yeah, Wisconsin's potentially a problem for us, but the three biggies, obviously, Notre Dame, Penn State, Michigan. We have to win two of those three this year to meet expectations, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I think you're you're allowed to lose one conference game against an opponent. Although I'll tell you, if you win every game but lose to Michigan, is that is that a successful season? For That's you guys? what I'm saying. Like I, I think that this team lost to Notre Dame and Penn State, but beat Michigan. We went ten and two. Let's say we didn't win the Big Ten because maybe Penn State wins the East or something with that uh, formula. Then. I think Ohio State fans could live with it this year. This is kind of a rebuilding. You know, we had three offensive linemen off to the NFL. We've got a new starter and a quarterback. And so you always hate to miss the opportunity when you've got, you know, a generational wide receiving core. Although it really hasn't been generational. It's kind of just the next year <laughs> lately. And you saw a glimpse of our next star, Carnell Tate, on uh Saturday, and I was really excited to see him get a score after what he's been through this year. Yeah, but if Ohio State goes undefeated into the game and then and, lo- and yeah. then loses to Michigan, you think uh, three three losses in a row with a loss at Michigan? If Michigan goes on to win, not not let's say not even national title, say as I predicted, we lose to Georgia in the national championship. Do you think fans are going to be forgiving? No, I, I couldn't. No, that's what I'm saying. The ten and two with losses to Notre Dame and. Penn State would be better psychologically than eleven and one. If you go to if you run through Notre Dame and Penn State, you're eleven and zero, and you lose to Michigan again. Regardless, Michigan could be the national championship winner. They could be the best team in the country this year. In which case, you would think, well, there's no shame in losing to the best team in the country, right? We did it last year. We've done it several of the last uh, few years, uh, but. There will be. Uh, that will not go over well. If Ryan Day literally loses three Big Ten games in five years, three conference games, but they're all to Michigan, man. I don't even want to think about it. It's great to feel that way because for the for the last geez, 15 years, Ohio State has always felt like our rival, but we didn't feel like Ohio State's rival. Well, Ohio you did State always has. <laughs> I, I, yes, because you suffer through the PTSD of the 80s and, uh, and 90s, but Ohio State has 
at least their fandom has always seemed to overlook us. And I remember I was giving some friendly jawing to a, a person in the middle of Michigan, mind you. It's out, out in a, a lake in the middle of Michigan, the middle of nowhere in Michigan. And uh, an elderly gentleman walks by the down the street and wearing an Ohio State hat. So I had to say something. And, you know, I, I, I believe I said, how long has it been since you guys beat Michigan? And he had the best comeback and the most true comeback that you could say and nothing but respect for the guy he says well at least it's a rivalry again i'm like oh yeah that's it is that it's it's a good answer and i was approached i was approached in the uh the grocery store just the other day where it was victory sunday is wearing my michigan gear and a guy not wearing any ohio state whatsoever and i assume he was a fan he wasn't just trying to troll me came up to me and goes Right in my face, like three feet away. It goes, O-H. Way to go. What do you want me to say, man? And I'm like, okay, it's just uh, all right, good. But I'm happy to have that level of rivalry. I think at at some point, maybe five years ago, Ohio State fans were just looking well beyond Michigan, as they should have. Definitely started to take it for granted a bit. I personally did not. I never did, never will. I think, you know, I am happen to be old enough. If you ever saw Woody Hayes coach a game... You've been part of this rivalry long enough that I don't think he'll ever take for granted a victory against Michigan, whether it's a down period or whatever. Uh, part of that down period was specifically because of Jim Tressel in Ohio State. Mm. Uh, so, I, yeah, I would rather beat Michigan than Notre Dame and Penn State this year. Having said that, I'm kind of hoping to pull off the trifecta. I'd like to go undefeated. Does this team have the talent to do it? Yeah, they appear to. The defense has looked really solid. The secondary looks so much better than last year. The linebackers are as advertised, both very good. The D-line hasn't been maybe as dominant as I thought, but they've been pretty good, <laughs> and they've got a lot of talent. We'll see how the season goes, man, but but so far, so good. The other thing, Reggie, that I've been really in non-Michigan and Ohio State, I don't know if you know about this, but... There's teams that exist outside our, I've heard our that. bubble of, of the rivalry and even outside the Big Ten, although the Big Ten's getting bigger all the time. Yeah, one not of too the, many teams outside the Big Ten anymore. One of the things I've really enjoyed about the, the first quarter of the season is the change in parity that's occurred. Alabama is no longer a top 10 Team, can you believe that for I the mean, first time in like a hundred and some weeks yeah, of the poll? That's yeah, pretty amazing. That's absolutely amazing. In Colorado, that went one and eleven last year, is back, and not only are they back, but they're back with a coach that appears to have the gravity of the sun as far <laughs> as he does media attention. I listen to this. Uh, you've got the the two big pregame shows. You have College Game Day and Fox's Big Noon Kickoff. Both of them were at Colorado. For a game against for Colorado a game against State. Colorado State. <laughs> yeah. And for the first time ever, Fox's Big Noon Kickoff was not the Big Noon Kickoff. They right. abandoned. They abandoned Penn State, Illinois, after Illinois blew it uh, and went... <laughs> went back to Colorado to cover Coach Prime. I mean, just the media attractiveness of this team is unbelievable. Do I think that they're, you know, do I think that they're actually the 19th ranked team in the country? No, I think they'll finish the season unranked. 
Do I think they're going to beat Oregon this week? No, I think they're going to get spanked by Oregon. So I'm trying to enjoy the the astronomical amount of hype before they come down to earth a little bit. But even if they've tripled their win column from last year, I mean, this guy is the real deal. And it's amazing to see what he's been able to do with the portal. And I think a lot of coaches are going to try to emulate how he's resurrected this Colorado program in the future. I should have known not to underestimate Deion Sanders. He, when he went there as a coach, I thought, wow, that's a pretty big move, but probably a good one for both, right? For Colorado, you know, he gets a Power 5 conference uh, coaching job. Colorado gets the name recognition. And then, of course, like 80 players left, and he has filled his roster from the transfer portal. How he's turned that into a top 25 ranking already. and But like you said, things are about to get more real for them. But there's something to be said for being confident in yourself because you know how good of an athlete you are yeah. and what you can do on the field versus vouching for, yeah. you know, 80 to 100 young men based on your evaluation of their talent and your ability to motivate them. And I got to say, I was a doubter. I thought yeah, Coach I was Brian was going to talk a big game and be all flash and glitz and glamour. And I thought that, yeah, you'd make the team better, but I didn't think they would come out the way that they did. Um, and it's it's really fun to see. And I think it is the silver lining of the change, changing landscape of college football, which has everybody nervous, and I'm certainly one of them. But I think NIL and I think the transfer portal has worked very well for teams like Colorado. And I think that there there's going to be a real resurgence in that team as long as... Deion Sanders is the coach there. Now, how long he's the coach there before, I yeah. don't know, say Michigan State tries right. to poach yet another another Colorado coach with a with a you know a nine-figure contract is uh, a completely different story. Yeah, that's right. Michigan State is in need of a coach. Or Michi- likely, likely will be. In, oh, there is no likely about it. It is, shortly. It, it is the most uh, foregone conclusion that is even possible. Nobody, nobody wants Mel Tucker at Michigan State. Not even... Not even the Mel Tucker uh, devotees at Michigan State who thought think that he's just another Kenneth Walker the third away from from going to a going to a college football playoff. It 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 goes back to one of my favorite quotes from Warren Buffett: "Is it takes twenty years to build a reputation and only fifteen minutes or five minutes to ruin it." Absolutely and, and gosh, true. Gosh, I mean, talk about one of the biggest bag drops of, of all time. You have a $95 million guaranteed contract, even if you're horrible at your job, even if you're the worst at your job, which almost seems like they you should, you should lay it up and be horrible so you can go take a vacation somewhere. And all you have to do, all you have to do is not have any sort of impropriety that would bring shame on the university. And that's all you have to do. And he did it in the most flagrant, way possible. And I don't want to talk about the details. Probably everybody listening to this podcast knows about the 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 sultry details of of what went on, but it just seems like the most boneheaded thing I've ever seen a coach do. Ever. Yeah, that's saying something. Extracurricular, <laughs> you know, with regards that's to saying stuff outside football. That's saying I mean that's a lot. And uh I I have my my brother-in-law and sister went to Michigan State. They're you know, when Michigan's not playing them, I'm I'm rooting for them. So my heart really goes out to the Michigan State Spartans. I think that that's a terrible situation to be in. I think this is going to really put them in the basement for a while. And uh, I don't know if they can 
bring that that much more money back to the uh, back to the next coach if, unless they are it really able to recoup it by canceling his contract. And, I yeah, I have to say I don't I, I find it kind of amusing because when they offered him the Brinks truck full of cash, he was hemming and hawing like I don't know. I'm pretty sure he signed it at halftime of the Ohio State game right when before we, the worm turned. Yeah. When, when we put up 49 on him in the first half, yeah. seven drives, seven touchdowns, 49 nothing at the half. Uh, pretty sure he's decided I better get this thing signed, get the ink dry on this thing ASAP because. Yeah, yes, like you said, anybody who blows the opportunity to make that much money is an idiot. It just, it just, it, it, it is beyond fathoming. They do things that are so difficult and, you know, to rise the ranks and, you know, the cutthroat world of college football and, you know, and, and to earn, and I use the term earn very loosely when I'm talking about $95 million. Yeah, it's hard to earn that much yeah. doing anything yeah. on the planet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's definitely a world shouldn't have billionaires argument to be made there. But to earn that much money and then to lose it in the stupidest way possible is just yeah. like, oh my gosh, man. It's just again, it is it is comically it is comically ridiculous. I wish it didn't happen to Michigan State. But honestly, I mean, this is a chance for them to start fresh again. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a while yet before they're they're back in contention. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Spartans, I I did it did cross my mind Saturday uh, for a moment. Is there a head coach on the sidelines in the state of Michigan <laughs> today? <laughs> I mean, there but was I'm sure Central or Western. Sharon Moore or was the head coach. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, Mike right, right. Hart was the head coach. There yeah. were there were probably more head coaches. <laughs> yeah, in the that's last right. More weeks. head coaches more than head coaches teams. Than, yeah, than, that's than, good. Than not head coaches. Uh that was a self-imposed, uh, self-imposed uh, suspension. And Jim Harbaugh got plenty of time to work the chains at his kids' football game yeah, right. and to mow the lawn and do all of those wholesome things, all of those goofy things that Michigan fans have come to know and love him for. And hopefully the NCAA, which is a dying organization, by the way, learns that they should just lay off and not go after him in 2024 if, in fact, he is coaching college uh, football. If anything, point. he'll get another game or something just to prove the point that, like, you're... They, they rarely seem satisfied with the school's self-imposed. They they didn't accept it from Ohio State, and they gave us a postseason ban in 2012 uh, during Urban, Urban Meyer's first year, which, by the way, could have been another national championship because had we not had the ban, probably would have played a not great Notre Dame team as the only two unbeatens. And uh, anyway, I digress. Well, I'm not Ohio's, bitter or anything. I never realized how close Ohio State was to, like, dynasty mode until I listened to you recount all the would'ves and could'ves and should'ves of every so national championship many, run Andy, that you guys have So had. many. It warms the cockles of my heart. Yes. Uh, speaking of the Spartans, though, the other team we should mention are the Washington Huskies, the University of Washington Huskies, where I dropped my daughter Jessica off as a freshman yesterday. Uh, she doesn't really care about the Huskies football team, but she'll be there at an exciting time because the Huskies look legit. Again, I have no problem with Ohio State dropping, especially Texas earned it by beating Alabama. Florida State earned it by beating LSU. When was the last time LSU, Alabama, Tennessee, all these teams have a loss so early. Texas A&M, a lot of the SEC is, and, and Georgia hasn't exactly looked like Georgia. And so I, I think uh, maybe this is the year the SEC streak is broken. We'll oh, see. I love it. I love seeing these teams. Oh, and Clemson. Are, oh, yeah, Clemson, of course. How Not the SEC, Clemson? but 
Clemson great shows. to yeah, see Clemson go down that, to Duke. That hater, hater group that we the hater usually group, yeah. lump in the SEC into. Yeah, it's great to see all these teams, you know, Texas to a lesser extent, USC. But I agree. I think Washington is is looking really good and can make a run at it. But they are playing in, I can't believe I'm saying this, what looks like to be the toughest conference in college football on the eve of their entire demise. The Pac-10 looks better than they've ever been. Pack, it is pack, funny. Whatever yeah. we want to call them. It's now. a little ironic that they basically have fallen apart because they've gained a reputation as kind of the weakest Power Five conference. Although I, I'm not sure the Big Twelve had that great of an argument either. But obviously the SEC and then the ACC with Clemson, the Big Ten with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. But the big the the Pac-12 had kind of fallen off, and now here we are. They've got multiple pretty good teams. I. Uh... It is it is more than ironic. I, I really feel it's tragic in a way. Like if they could have held a conference together for one more year, I think their contract negotiations after this year would have looked a lot different if if these teams continue to look as good as they are. And if Colorado with Deion Sanders decided to stay in the conference, I think there would have been a lot more uh, cachet for for that conference than there was going in and you know the it, it was it was a weaker conference i mean with the exception of usc sometimes and you know oregon yeah. sometimes it was you know they, they were known for being like your nightcap conference like oh right. I, it called i pack 12 after dark the day can't be over <laughs> yeah, right? right like all my games are over my kids are asleep i don't know how many times i turned on the Arizona Air, State yep. game just because <laughs> exactly. I, I was jonesing for a little bit more college football before <laughs> I had to roll into Sunday, which was historically my work day. Um, and so it, it did kind of have that 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 joking uh, sense of them being not the serious conference. And in this year, their last year, they are the I think the most serious conference maybe behind. The and and the bad news for us, for Ohio State and Michigan, USC, Oregon. <laughs> And Washington, who all look really tough so far this year, are going to be in our conference next year. And I'm still waiting, by the way, when is the Big Ten going to put out the 2024 amended schedule now that Washington and Oregon are be part of it? Because I want to know, is Ohio State coming out here next year to play either Oregon or Washington? In the first iteration, I believe Michigan had USC and UCLA on the schedule. Yes. So unless they're going to change that, I'm anticipating that Ohio State should get Oregon and or Washington, and I'm hoping one of them is out here. I mean, if not next year, then eventually. I mean, yeah, eventually, is... but uh, they were supposed to be out here originally next year as a non-conference opponent, then Ohio State canceled it, but now maybe they'll put it back on because it'll be a conference game. I mean, Brutus... I'm I hoping. We talked about this last time, but Brutus had the lead on it with his Instagram post with uh, the yeah, Oregon Ducks. that's right. Um, but, you know, you say it's a bad thing, but I'm... I'm, oh, yeah. I'm thrilled, one, yeah. because we're going into a 12-team playoff. And so, like right. you mentioned, losing an early game or losing one or two conference games matters so much less. And iron sharpens iron, right? Like, I just had to suffer through three games of really not knowing how good my football team is because yeah. we played a, you know, junior varsity squad and, the, you know, they didn't, they weren't mentally as prepared as they're going to be for the big games. And if we're playing, you know, if we're playing Washington, we're playing Oregon, yeah, we better be sharp. We better be ready to go. And that'll just, you know, show us what we need to work on for later in the season. And still the most important game, which hopefully remains at the end of the the, uh, the conference schedule, is going to be Michigan-Ohio State. 
Absolutely. And I, and I am excited about it as well. I'm mostly excited because I'll get to see them every couple of years without yeah. having to travel, <laughs> you know, very far. Yeah, you are going to be at the Penn State game on what is the most consequential non-the-game day of college football this year. I mean, the, the, the schedule just looks loaded. I'm going to have screens outside and multi-view just to, just to get my fix. But after watching Ohio State and, and being able to watch Penn State and Drew Aller, are you, what's, which way is the needle pointing to preseason about your uh, expectations for how it ends up at the shoe that day? I, well, like I said, I'll, I'll know more before that <laughs> game because uh, right. Saturday will probably tell me something. But right now, let's put it this way. I'm glad we're at home. I'm glad we're not traveling for a typical whiteout game at Penn State that weekend. Penn State looks pretty tough. But then I think James Franklin's still coaching, right? <laughs> He's still their coach. So we'll see. But just saying that, you know, if I had to put my money on Ryan Day or James Franklin right now, I'll I'll roll with Day. Ryan Day all day. I mean, James Franklin, you know, superpower is not in his game day coaching. That's That's for sure. He's found more ways to shoot himself in the foot. But, man, that guy can recruit. Drew Aller, he looks like every bit of the high-profile recruit that he was when Penn State landed him. And Catron Allen is looks like, I don't know, maybe the third or fourth best running back in the in the Big Ten. They're going to be a challenge. It's fortunate that you guys get him in the shoe. I think you don't have to play in Happy Valley at the, the whiteout game that they always make for the Ohio State the Ohio State game. And Michigan's not getting them as a whiteout game either. We're yeah. a big noon kickoff, which I am thrilled about. We still don't know when uh, the time of the Ohio State-Penn State game. I uh, would normally expect that to become a night game, but we've already got a couple yeah. on the calendar, so I'm not sure how many night games we'll have for the season. Yeah, and it's it's getting chilly out there in, in that time of year and uh, in Ohio, yeah. for sure. Well, we're about to get into the meat of the schedule. We're going to low so much more about our team's two weeks when from now when we reconvene and a better forecast to what the Penn State game and more importantly, the game is going to look like for each team. Yep, quarter of the way there, but it's nothing but excitement from here on out. The so. best parts ahead, for sure. Until then, go Bucks. Go Blue.